Well, I am so excited to uh, share with you this morning and, and finish out the Finding Joy at this Christmas series. For me personally, this has been a really timely series. This holiday season has not only brought out challenges that we experienced earlier in the year, which many of you know about, but it also brought upon some new challenges this year in my personal life. There has been some hardship this season, and it has been a time in my life where I've had to cling to the truth more than ever and find joy more than ever. And so I want to be a little vulnerable with you this morning as I share. It's the only way I know how to share. But I just also wanted to thank Pastor Craig so much for giving me the opportunity to share some things that God has been teaching me. Kyle and I have been here. This is our fourth Christmas at Crossroads Church. Yes, it's so exciting. And every year that comes, we truly grow deeper love for this church and for the leadership we sit under. Pastor Craig and his wife, Rochelle, are phenomenal. phenomenal. They set the example in character and kindness and grace and leadership. And so let's give it up for our senior pastor and his wife and his family, because they are amazing. And we are so blessed to have the pastor and family leading this, leading this church that we do. Well, like I said, this series has been timely for me, and so I just want to give you a little bit of a recap of what we've learned so far. So the first week, we talked about great joy. What is great joy? We defined that. We looked at it. We checked out the source of joy. And then the second week, Pastor Craig taught us that there's a joy thief, a thief who wants to come and steal our joy from us. And then last week, we talked about how despite a joy thief, that's a little bit of a tongue twister, and knowing what joy is, we can grow it. We have the ability to grow joy in our lives. And today, I want to share with you an excitement because joy is here, but also uh, teach us how to hold on to that joy beyond this Christmas season. And so um, we are going to look right away in the book of Nehemiah. Okay, chapter 8, verse 10, the second part of the verse says this. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I find it very interesting that he tells us, first and foremost, not to grieve, but then to replace that grieving with joy. And out of replacing grief with joy, we gain strength. It's almost like joy is a tool to strengthen us in our lives. As Christ followers, we are called to live a life of joy, not just at Christmas time and Easter time and, when thing, and as a result to, to getting what we want in life, but also in the moments where if we're really honest, we think to ourselves, this is not how I expected my life to look. This is not the way it's supposed to be. We are called to live a life of joy even in those moments. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. For the joy is only, that terminology, that phrase is only mentioned three other times in the Bible. The other time is in Hebrews 12, 2, when he's saying it was for the joy that was set before him to endure the cross. Again, joy is a tool that we can use to gain strength in our life. I can only imagine if you and I were to sit for coffee and we tore through the walls that we've built up in our lives and we really got to the heart what kind of stories that we would share with each other. 
In a room this size, I'm assuming that some of the stories I would begin to hear would be that of a single mom or a single dad. Maybe there's some broken marriages that are on the brinks of divorce. There might be some tension in in-law relationships trying to navigate how a stranger becomes family. Newlyweds who are trying to figure this whole dynamic of, of becoming one. Women and men who are just so desperate for a baby that they've been praying for for years. Exhausted parents, maybe young parents like me who have toddlers at home, or exhausted parents who are so tired of seeing their kids continue in the same cycle that break their lives. There's injuries and sickness and surgeries, death and loss and broken relationships, addictions. And the thought of the conversations that you and I would have at this coffee date begin to work through my mind and it breaks my heart because that pain is real. That's real. We feel it. We wear it. We carry it. But I have good news for us today. And that good news is that God knows your needs. And God gave us Jesus. So there's this app called Reddit. Does anybody know what Reddit is? Okay, so I don't know a ton about Reddit, but what I have learned about Reddit is they do this massive secret Santa every single year. And this is an opportunity that um, Bill Gates chooses to get behind to bless somebody who engages with the Secret Santa experience. And there was this one girl named Alicia, and Alicia signed up for it, and the first year that she signed up for it, her Secret Santa ghosted her. Like, they did not send a gift. She sent her gift off, but the person who pulled her name did not send her a gift. And Bill Gates pulled her her name the next year. She chose to sign up for it anyways. And Bill Gates actually pulled her name. And he began to do some research on who is Alicia. And he discovered that she had been ghosted the year before, stood up by her secret Santa. And so he wanted to go above and beyond. So this is what happened. Alicia was at Target. She came home to this massive box. Alicia was at Target, right? That's what any good woman does. She goes to Target during the day. And so Alicia is at Target and she gets this massive box and she comes home and she realizes that it's from Reddit. And so she's beginning to think, okay, what is this? And so she opens it up and she sees a picture of Bill Gates. And he hand wrote her a letter that says, I cannot believe your secret Santa left you hanging last year. To ensure that you don't lose faith in the Reddit community, I've enclosed several gifts that I hope you enjoy. There are a few video games for you to play. Some things for you, some things to keep you warm, and three of my favorite movies to watch over the holidays. I've also made a, dona a donation in your name to code.org to help give more students the chance to learn computer science. With best wishes, Bill Gates. That's pretty cool, right? And so, so, this, so Bill Gates takes the time to get to know her wants, get to know what was she looking for, and he takes the time to even find out what her favorite charity is so that he can bless the community that she so loves very much. And on top of it all, he finishes with this picture that he puts in there for her. He made himself in her profile picture. He photoshopped himself in her family photo. And he wrote on there, Merry Christmas. That's so funny. Bill Gates went above and beyond and he chose to do what he can to show her uh, is over and beyond blessing and make himself one of the family. This example is the same story as Christmas. Let's look at Luke 
Chapter two, verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and laying in a manger. We're gonna pause there for a moment. So I had the privilege to go to Israel a couple years back. And if you were to search about and do some um, looking up the nativity scene, is that a familiar phrase for some of you guys in here? If you were to look up the nativity scene on Google, what you might find is this perfectly laid hay and not full barn, but like little pillars that hold up this perfectly hay laid um, roof and then some little animals and some people and everybody is circled around awing over the birth of Jesus, right? That's what we picture the birth of Jesus to look like. But I went to Israel, that is not what it looked like. Actually a manger was a cave. So picture with me, this is it. This is where they believe to have been the birth of Jesus. Picture with, and it's set up in a way to where it would have looked like back in the day. They keep up with it to make it look like it would have been back then. And so picture cold, picture dark, picture maybe a little dusty, picture cold, picture dark, picture a little dusty, that's about it. And so this image that we have of the nativity scene is actually very different of the reality. We continue on to read that suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. God knows where to find us. He knows how to find us. He knows what our needs are and he will meet them. He knows our address. He puts himself in our picture. He didn't just build a way for us to come to him, but he made himself one of us so that he could bring us to heaven with him. And that is the picture that I want you to hold to because in our darkest hour, the greatest joy came. So in here it says, today in town, a David... In town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes laying in the manger, that the darkness, but it will cause great joy. Jesus was born in the darkest, coldest place, yet it was still one of the greatest joys on earth. Isn't that crazy? And so God knows our needs, and he wants to meet our needs. Earlier this week, I'm gonna be a little real with you, so I came in earlier this week to just kind of pray over this morning. So I'm gonna come down here, I'm gonna show you where I was. I had come in through this door, the sanctuary was locked, and uh, it was, picture this room completely pitch black, no people in here. There's a light that stays on in the back room, and because the doors were open, it came in a little bit, but I needed my flashlight on my phone to manage around because it was so dark. It was pitch black. I couldn't see anything. So I walked in here. I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of the dark, too. I'm not going to lie. And so I made it to about here. But for the sake of you guys being able to see me, I'm going to give myself some credit, and I'm going to sit right here. And so I sat here earlier this week, and um, like I said, it has been a season where I have needed to cling to Jesus, right? I said that it had been a hard season, and I needed 
a moment with God this week. I needed to have some words sung over my life because I was experiencing some of that pain. I'm not going to get into the details of it, but you get it, right? What it's like to have pain. You get what it's like to look at your life sometimes and say, what? How is this? How is this where I'm at? How is this what's happening And so as I was sitting here this week, um, I put on my favorite worship song, which we'll sing at the end of service, and I didn't want to turn the lights on. I wanted to sit in the darkness and just let this song be sung over me. And as I listened to the song on repeat, you know, like five or six times, it was like, okay, time to move on. I've got some things I need to do, but I felt really good about it. And as I opened my eyes to get up, it was almost like someone had turned the lights on because I could see what I couldn't see before, I could now see. And I was a little creeped out, I'm not gonna lie, because I was like, these doors are locked. Like, there's no sensor light here. How can I see? And it was in that moment that I realized that my eyes had adjusted to the darkness. And it wasn't that the light came in, it was that I got used to darkness. Oh, how we need Jesus. Because that first time, right, the first time you look at that inappropriate website, the first time you lie to your spouse, the first time you take something that isn't yours, the first time you lie to your parents, cheat on a homework assignment, make things look better than they appear, do something you know you're not supposed to, step into a little bit of sin, that first time you shake and you sweat and it's really dark and scary. But as you sit in it, it comes a little comfortable. You can see a little bit more. It's not that the light came on. It's that you got comfortable in your darkness. Oh, how we need Jesus. God knows our needs. And God wants to meet our needs. And it's not easy for me to say. And it's not fun. And it's not the popular statement. But what we need and what we want aren't always the same thing. And though we bring our wants to the Lord, he wants to meet our needs. God came to meet our needs. He wants to meet your needs. Your need of salvation was met at the birth of Jesus in the darkest place, in a cold place, in a cold cave, great joy came. In your darkest place, great joy can exist because God met our needs. I have a video that I wanna share with you, but just to give you a little bit of background, this video is of a a little girl finding out that she is going to receive a kidney transplant. Check out this video. And I wanted to give you a gift, just for how hard you work, to keep her, I know, but just to keep her here, (laughs) because we really appreciate everything you do, and I know that this is a lot running, getting her out of school, and, and you're a grandma, and you want to keep her asleep in your room. That's what we're here for. Right. So I just want you to have that. Go ahead. You can open that. She's so cute. We really love her.
look at that, he did. So in December, Mrs. Schmidt called me and she said, I just have this need, and I want to run it by you. I want to see if I'm a match for Natasha Fuller. I want to do something for this child. And so we talked about it, and she found out yesterday that she is a match in two, two, two areas. So she has talked with her family and her husband, and they are very well aware that she's been going through this. And she knew it was specifically for Natasha, and that's the hospital knows specifically it is for Natasha. So. <laughs> Here I thought it was coming to school because she was naughty. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to tell you that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I think you are a very special little girl. And we wanted to give you some things. So here's a present for you. There you go, honey. You can go ahead and open it. You're a special, special little girl. sweet so this grandma who's caring for her sick granddaughter discovers that this lady who isn't even her daughter's teacher she's just a teacher in the school she finds out that she's a match and they proceed to to um, go and get the surgery and she walks in her healing and they're so excited that they couldn't help but contain to share the news they had to share. And this video goes on to go viral, and many people, including you guys now, have seen this, because when needs are met, our response to that is to share. We're so excited. And see, in our darkest moment, when we deserved our worst punishment, God gave us Jesus. And he was born into darkness, but God gave us Jesus. And because of that, we can have great joy, and we should have great joy. And our response to that is to share the joy with those who need to hear it, and because they, maybe there's a neighbor or a family member who needs to experience the joy that you have felt because your needs were met when you deserved the worst punishment of all time. In Isaiah chapter 9, 6 through 7, it says, For us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And pause here before we carry on. So remember when I said I had the privilege of being in Israel, right? Well, I knew that where I was about to enter, I knew that I was going to enter into where they believed Jesus to have been born. And so I was really excited. I couldn't wait to go see this place for myself. And as I went to go step on the step to go into the cave, I looked down and this is what I saw. And so if you know me, you know my son's name is Paxton. Paxton. 
And so a little background to that, Kyle and I, in our first year of marriage, discovered that we were having a baby, not planned on our terms. And we were so nervous. We had a 10-year plan. <laughs> like, if we were going to have children, it was going to be a 10-year plan. And we were so nervous, and we didn't find out if we were having a boy or girl. We just wanted to pray over this and, and trust God that he knew what he was doing. And we knew that if we were having a girl, we were going to name her Brinley. But we did not know what we would name a little boy. And three weeks before we were, we were about to have this baby, uh, we were like, okay, we're done arguing over names. We're done not being able to settle on something. We have to figure this out. And so I said to Kyle, I said, I think we're doing this wrong. I think what we need to do is say, what do we need more of in our life? Because clearly God knew we needed something. And we, as we just thought about it for a minute, we felt like we both agreed that it was peace. We needed peace over the situation. We needed to know that this is exactly what God had. We wanted peace to trust that. And so we Googled, good old Google, what names mean peace? And sure enough, Pax came up, Paxton. And so that is how we named our firstborn. But I want to share with you the journal entry that I wrote in that, um, that very moment I wrote in my journal. And I want to read with you what it says. It says, and this is August 27, 2016. Today we went to a cave in Bethlehem that was set up to show us what it looked like when Jesus came into this world. What a special place to learn more about the birth of God's only son. It was wild. I walked into the cave, I looked down, and I saw my son's only name written on the steps. Instantly, I had flashbacks of bringing him into our world and those first moments of meeting him face to face. I had a couple moments of quick dreaming and praying for who he will become. What an absolute honor it is to be his mom. I can't comprehend what must have been going through Mary's mind once she brought this baby into the world, knowing that her son was also the son of God. Anyways, someone had to remind me that Pax was written into the step because his name means peace. <laughs> because I totally forgot. I was like so into that moment. I was like, what, what, what? Like angels, where are, like what is this? It was funny. And the only reason why they knew his name meant peace is because I had told them earlier. Pax means peace. It's why we named him that. But I love that I genuinely forgot about that because I was completely lost in the moment that God was giving me in connection to his birth. As we continue to read on verse seven, it says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We're reading this in the book of Isaiah. This was before the birth had even happened. Isaiah was a prophet sharing about a birth to come. We, as Christ followers, are called to do this very thing because Jesus is coming back. And it is our job to announce the joy that came in the midst of darkness because there are people who need to hear from us and we need to share the joy that has been in our lives. We need to share that. But what happens is, is we get lost in our own darkness. We get lost in our own drama. We get lost in our own busyness. So we forget to share with the people around us. But God has placed specific people in your life who need to hear about the joy. If you would take your eyes off of the darkness, live in freedom that Christ came to give us, then we would be able to share with the people around us so that they can too come with us. We are called to be prophets of our time, sharing the good news, because even in the midst of our darkness, even in the midst of our brokenness, even in the midst of our shame, joy is here. And he came 2,000 years ago so that we could be set free, so that we could be free. We are gonna have a time to respond. Kenneth, you can come up now. 
um, we are gonna have a time to respond to this because the moment that I have here, I want to provide an opportunity for every single person to have a moment too. And so we are gonna take a time for communion. And how we do communion here at Crossroads Church, we do this in remembrance of what he did for us because what he did at the cross, yes, the ushers can get ready, but I know it can be easy to be like squirrel. Stay tuned with me in here. What, what Jesus did on the cross began 2,000 years ago when he was birthed into our world. And we're gonna take time, and what I want you to do in this time is to reflect. Reflect on where you're really at. Like if we were to sip at coffee and break through those walls and you were to begin to share your story, where are you really at? And have a moment of coffee with Jesus this morning and be real with him and share those things. And you're gonna take communion on your own terms this morning when the music is playing, when the song is being sung over you. We're gonna sing the song over, I'm gonna have Kenneth sing the song over you that I had sung over me this morning. And you are gonna take communion on your own terms when you're right with God. And then after you take it on your own terms, not when the person next to you does it, when your heart is right, when you take it, I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet and engage in declaring these words over our lives because seeing is not believing, believing is seeing. And if you don't believe your circumstances are good, then you begin to speak goodness into your circumstances. And so we are gonna sing you are good over and over and over our lives and believe that God is good and he has good things for us. Ushers, you can begin to go ahead and pass that out now. And you are gonna believe that God is good. He is good to you, he is good to you in this season, despite the circumstances. My circumstances not, might not look good, but my God is. And so I want you guys to take a moment to truly self-reflect. Do I believe? Am I okay? My circumstances don't tell me that this is good. And sometimes we have to speak it and speak it and speak it and speak it, and then we begin to believe it, and believe it, and believe it. Jesus was born in a dark cave. He came into a dark world to make himself one with us because Jesus meets our needs. He wants to meet our needs, he knows our needs, and he's even a good father and sometimes he meets our wants too. But when we live a life of joy, because there is freedom, after we make our hearts right with the Lord, there is freedom in living in light. But when we find freedom from our darkness and we announce it to the world, what we get to do is we provide an alternative way of living for somebody who needs to live a different way. When you get distracted and on the drama of your life, when you get distracted and pulled in, that could be you taking time to be pulled away from the very person that God wants you to share joy with. And so again, if that wasn't clear, Kenneth is gonna begin to sing. You're gonna be real. You're going to be real. You're gonna get your, right, your heart right before your heavenly father. It doesn't matter if you offend your wife or, or it matters. What I'm trying to say is, <laughs> don't offend your wife, Kyle. I think sometimes we get so nervous when we begin to offend the people around us, right? Like, oh, I'm so broken because I hurt them. But we, we really, our heart needs to be breaking for the way we hurt our Heavenly Father. Connect with your Father. 
take communion in remembrance of what he did for us, his body and blood shed for you. And then stand to your feet and declare these words over your life, over your circumstances, over your situations. Where I 